And welcome to Med Spa Secrets. I'm Ben Chu. And I'm Jen Bullock. I'm the nurse practitioner here at Alu. And today we're going to be talking to you about getting into the aesthetics industry, the aesthetic space, all of those things. So Jen, you got into the industry before I did. I you did. You want to kind of kick this off by maybe uh, sharing some of the early like whys or what kind of what like sparked your interest and then maybe some of like the first steps. Well, for me, I started in aesthetics about six years ago. I wanted to be in aesthetics for a long, long time, but I was just working as a nurse and knew that in my state I couldn't inject independently. And so while I was in my FNP program, I had a plan that I was going to start injecting with another nurse practitioner. And so I had kind of looked at like what the rules and regulations were, and I essentially just elected to wait until I was completely done with Peace School and just decided on a whim to buy a $150,000 laser and kind of start up my own little practice without much plan about how that was going to work out. I just figured, you know, if I sold stuff to my girlfriends at the hospital, that it would all come together and didn't really know much about business. The process for me has been one of a lot of learning and I want to share kind of some of the things that we learned along the way. One of the things that I see listed or, or questions in forums and stage back all the time is people asking about how do you get started in aesthetic. Right now, you um, something you just mentioned kind of right off the bat that I think some people are maybe not aware of, you know, not through any fault of their own, but at least because there's so many different sets of law for medical aesthetics. It's like there is no national governing board or anything like that. So they're literally, you know, in the U.S., if you're watching this in other countries, I don't necessarily know the rules in other countries, but as far as the U.S., there's 50 different states, so there's 50 different sets of medical aesthetics or med spa law. Uh, Loom Aesthetics is in Oregon, so as you mentioned, you know, when you were in school, you realized that you couldn't have a practice or start, right. you know, injecting if you didn't have a medical director or you had to wait until you graduated with your NP. Could you kind of speak to that a little bit? Like, tell us about starting out with needing a medical director or whether maybe somebody doesn't need a medical director for what reason? Well, generally, as a nurse, as a PA, you need a medical director. In most states where nurse practitioners are independent practice, uh, a nurse practitioner can be their own medical director and of course an MD can be their own medical director. Knowing what your specific state laws are, if you are an RN injector, you definitely need a medical director. So that's number one. If you're an NP or if you're MD, you can be your own individual medical director. Okay, awesome. We got a little bit of kind of notes to follow off. Unfortunately, Jen is a true medical professional, which means that I'm incapable <laughs> of reading your handwriting. So I think you can kind of help us cue us off the next sort of bullet point note. So first and foremost, you need a medical director. I think second of all, you need to decide what it is that you want to do. So I think one of the things that you really drove home to me is the importance of having a, a really just niching on down into one specific thing. Yeah, I definitely remember when we first opened up, you know, I think a lot of providers when they get into aesthetics, and I think this was definitely true of you, is that you're expressing your inner artist in yes. a lot of ways, right? It's aesthetics. Mm -hmm. It's not dialysis, right? Yes. So like the inner artist comes out and artists generally want like all of the paintbrushes and all of the colors huh? and all of the different easels and mediums to paint on and stuff like that. And I think that translates into wanting all of the procedures as, right. a, as a provider 
Twitter and we had at a loom a lot of different things from kind of like similar but not truly aesthetics field stuff right. that you could say definitely fell more in like the wellness, biohacking, health. Yes life extension um, and well there definitely is a little bit of bleed over and crossover between like anti-aging and aesthetics i feel like once you go too far out it really becomes difficult to like find an avatar to market to Absolutely. and like a, a, an ideal client or patient to like niche down in on serving and it's kind of like they say you know if you try to be everything to everybody you're nothing to anybody Exactly. So, yeah, I think that that's really was a turning point for our practice is when you helped me get rid of all the excess stuff and really niche down. So for starting your aesthetics or getting into aesthetics, we've got kind of like know the laws in your area and then kind of like niche down. Right. As, um, you know, decide who you want to be and who you want to serve. And what you want to be known for. Absolutely. Pick a name. One of the things that... Uh, <laughs> and don't pick our name. <laughs> yeah. Picking a name is really important. And one of the things that you got to think about is, first of all, you got to see in your state, is there somebody else with your name? One of the things that we... Well, and if they're out of state... Do they have a trademark, though, on the name that's going to also, you know, cover your state? Right. So you have to have an individual name that represents you, your brand, what you want to be known for, but also doesn't belong to somebody else. Because it's really a bummer if you pick a name and then you have to change it two years down the road because somebody else has it already. Yeah. So. Not something that happened to us, but we've seen it happen. Absolutely. The other thing is to don't overextend yourself. You want to start small. So I think for me, like one of the things that I did is I started in a shared office and grew my practice a little bit by little bit. I think it costs a whole lot more money than people realize to get into the industry. And if you overextend yourself, you can lose it all, right? So starting with one thing that you do really, really well in a small enough space that's going to accommodate you, super important. I also think, you know, making a decision on whether or not you want to be, you know, in your own little niche or whether you want to be like affiliated out of a spa or something like that. So, you know, like a hair salon where you have a room in there. Personally, one of the things when I first started is I was going to be in a salon with another gal that had opened her own place and she was, you know, all about skincare and facials and I thought it would be great because I didn't know a lot about that yet. But what it ended up being is that after we'd already negotiated and right before I moved in, it became her realizing how much money could be made or just seeing, you know, like, oh, I'm charging, you know, $10 a unit for Botox or $11 a unit for Botox without her understanding what the hard costs of that were. She wanted a piece of it and it became her wanting to take a commission on everything and controlling what it was that I could do in the practice and how many days a week I could have it. And she was, you know, trying to like share the room and share the space and ultimately what I decided is that if I wanted to grow I needed the freedom and space to do my own thing and having anybody else taking a piece of that really wasn't going to work well for me. Know where you want to be, um, pick the right kind of space that's going to work for you and start small. Now speaking of starting small and kind of like building up like obviously we've got a lot of different devices now, a lot of different lasers and machines. And of course they all have a huge price tag because that just goes part and parcel with the industry. But maybe we can speak a little bit, you know, like when you started out, it was really with just one laser device. Yes. But it was a laser device that did 
a number of different things. Kind of one of those sort of Swiss Army devices that did allow a little bit more of a spread of treatments. Yes. Um, and then, all, of course, injectables. Absolutely. You know, the thing is, is if I had it to do over again, I probably wouldn't have bought a device right out the gate. Because it was a lot of pressure financially to, you know, make that payment every month. So, I mean, if it were left to me again, I probably would have foregone buying a laser that's $150,000 because that's a big financial responsibility. And I probably would have just started with a really good injectables course, which really goes to, you know, how do you get the right training, right? There's so many different classes out there. A lot of them offer, you know, some basic foundational education, but finding a really good, like, two-day, three-day, five-day course. You know, there's a few different organizations. The AAFE, they do a lot of um, online education. They also have in-person education. You can pay essentially a membership fee to get access to their videos, things like that. Having enough training, you're not going to get everything you need in a two-day course. So being prepared to just really wholly invest yourself time and energy on video courses, watching other injectors, joining Patreons, but starting with a foundational injecting course that's going to teach you your basic foundations of Botox and filler are probably the best starting place. And making sure that when you're going to be in that class that you have an opportunity to do some hands-on. One of the things that I found in my very first course is that There were eight to 10 other injectors there. I can't remember exactly, but we really all shared like three patients. And so I didn't get an opportunity to do a lot of injecting. I got to inject one Botox area. Um, I got to inject part of a vermilion border on a lip. And I didn't really feel like that was enough to set me out into the injecting world to know what I was doing. You know, picking a really well-rated education class where you have uh, lots of opportunity for hands-on training is going to be super key. And there's a lot of really good ones out there. Now, I mean, but you, that's a great place to start for sure. But you also kept going to these classes too. Something that I think maybe should be pointed out that's not kind of like one and done and then mm-hmm. you're certified and like now you know everything and you're off to the races kind of a deal. Not at all. In my first few years, I probably spent, you know, a good several hundred hours of just reading and watching and taking private courses definitely isn't a one and done. Not at all. It's going to be a consistent thing because it's not just like, you know, learning how to be a med surge nurse. It's a whole new field of medicine, right? Which aesthetics is medicine. And so, you know, spending a lot of time and energy on learning the anatomy of the face, you know, taking aesthetic specific anatomy course, you know, I think I felt really secure in what I was doing as an injector after about three years, really understanding all of the ins and outs. And I'm still consistently taking classes and consistently learning to really fine tune my craft. Yeah. So that continuing education, you know, not just for the medical credits, but as part of just refining your craft has definitely been a huge, huge deal. There's something you pointed out, though, that just kind of slipped through as you were talking that I think is a really important distinction. She said that aesthetics is medicine, but it's not healthcare. Right. And it seems 
seems like someone might just be kind of like quibbling words or something if you were to like maybe hear that the first time, but it's actually a, a massive, massive distinction because it changes the whole dynamic of the clinic and the environment because these are, um, you know, they're cash paying customers right. that want the procedure, but they don't need the procedure. There is no real health reason. You can maybe argue some mental health reasons, but it's not <laughs> like, you know, somebody needs a new kidney or something uh -huh. removed from a lung or a bypass put into a heart or something like that. You're using medical skills, but it's not in a healthcare environment. And I think one of the things that people take for granted, specifically the providers getting into aesthetics, is that because it's still medicine, but it's not healthcare, that means there's this whole host of other non-medical skills that they need to start also training and learning and overlaying and making sure that their staff and their partners and stuff know. And these are things related to the, the sales and the business and uh -huh. the processes and all of these things that, you know, if you're going to be getting into aesthetics for yourself, not just to necessarily go work at another med spa, that also needs to start added to like your, your training repertoire and your studying repertoire and you know, there are courses as well for these things, like the M Spa American Medical Spa Association Boot Camp. Oh, yeah. That people can go to start learning, you know, the ins and outs of the laws in their own state and right. nationally and marketing and, and sales and hiring and team building and sort of all of, you know, of course, it's a it's a weekend intensive, like so many of these courses and classes. And just like with the injecting and all of that, you need to keep going to additional classes right. and learning and refining your skills but I do think it's an important thing that bears mentioning because there is a huge failure rate yeah. in this industry. And from where I stand as like the business guy in the yeah. relationship, generally I see med spas failing not because they sucked at doing Botox, <laughs> right. but because they failed to learn the business side of things and the other skills that were not healthcare or medicine skills. Right. Because as providers, like for me, I came from a nursing background, got in to nursing because I wanted to help people and so I really came into it with a, a sick care type background and what I mean by that is that you know like I had this idea that in traditional medicine people are there because they need to be there I was all about taking care of people when you get into aesthetics everybody's gonna have a stop story I would oftentimes coming from a place of you know wanting to help people and you know serve people I would undercharge I wasn't comfortable comfortable with selling people things. I had only been in a space of service and what I really had to do was will learn about sales, you know, because in my mind, sales was like dirty, you know, it's like being tricked by a car salesman or something like that. And what I had to really do was change my thinking about what I was doing with sales, because I know that I come from a really good place. And I also know that the time, the energy and the training that I've put into building what I do, you know, how I serve my clients is the very best that I know that I can bring. And so coming from sales, perspective of where I am serving my client and my patient to my highest and for their highest I know that I'm bringing them the very best that can be had in the industry and I'm doing them a disservice if 
I don't offer that to them. And so really knowing that coming from that place for myself helped me shift things because these people are going to be getting their Botox or their filler or their skincare products from somewhere. I want it to be from me because I know that I am bringing them the very best. So I had to learn how to come from sales from just a different perspective so that I could feel really good about what I was doing. And I don't sell people things that they don't need and I don't try and talk them into stuff just because I need to make a couple of extra bucks and I've learned how to build treatment plans around you know what they need instead of what I need and I know for me that that's really shifted how I think about things. Well I think it's huge I mean it's something that you know really bears examination and looking at and studying because Again, there are so many people that want to, and again, this is the the topic of this episode is, you know, getting into aesthetics. And there are so many people that get into aesthetics, but then because it's not like the hospital where they're just being fed patients by the system, you know, then they're they're right back out of aesthetics because they weren't able to survive, you know, financially in the field. So it's a huge, huge piece that needs to be discussed more, I think, frankly. And while it's maybe arguably not as important as actually, you know, doing a good job doing the medical procedures to people in a sense it is just as important because if you completely ignore it you're not going to be doing medical procedures on anybody at least not in the aesthetics field because you're going to run out of money and then you're going to be right back in you know the hospital or working in somebody else's clinic absolutely yeah so that i think that would be another thing to consider is like do you want to work for yourself or, or in somebody else's clinic. Do you want to work in somebody else's clinic? I think that's a, another great distinction to make when you're wanting to get into aesthetics. It's hard to find a physician. It's hard for providers to find really good, like for me, I'm almost always looking for a really good nurse, right? Uh-huh. I um, And it's hard to find good nurses. And then I see in the forums all the time people complaining that they can't get a job. So deciding first. Well, they're not in our area. (laughs) We're hiring, but uh, deciding whether or not you want to work for someone and have a mentor or whether you want to truly have your own business. Yeah. Because they're two, two totally different things. You can do really well and have the art and the passion and the creation uh, working for somebody and save yourself a little bit of heartache. Yeah. I mean, there's absolutely nothing nothing wrong with having a job. (laughs) Absolutely not. So just knowing for yourself, you know, am I somebody that wants to build and create a business or am I somebody that wants to work somewhere and just be able to do the art and the creativity without having to try and run a business because I think if I didn't have Ben I probably wouldn't still be in practice because my heart and my desire comes from just serving the patients and I love the art and the creativity it is my art form so if you either you know if that's who you are then maybe working in a practice that's already established and learning and mentoring with a established provider uh, might be your cup of tea. Um, Or at least finding a good business partner that can do the business side of things for you. Absolutely. Um, conversely, like, you know, you wouldn't want someone like me coming at you with a needle because on the the flip side, (laughs) it's like, yeah! (laughs) 
Um, so I guess kind of to recap for everybody, you know, you're getting into aesthetics and we want to make sure that you know what, like, I need help with reading your, your notes, but. <laughs> know what your state laws are. And if you need help knowing what those state laws are, because sometimes when you like reach out to the nursing board, they don't have a lot of clarity. There's still a lot of gray area. Getting linked up with an organization like AMSPA, who's already done the footwork. There's also some really good aesthetics only attorneys out there. We work with Sarah Sheikman. She's been great. And really just dialing in what it is that you need to know to be legal and compliant in your state. Take really good training courses. Your foundational stuff is not going to be enough to make you a great provider. It's going to be the first thing that you do. Decide what you want to do. Knit yourself down. Mm -hmm. Start small um, and work your way up. Decide where it is that you want to build your practice out of it. Are you wanting to be within somebody else's facility or do your own thing and strike out on your own and be willing to ask for help and hire coaches. We have hired lots of coaches over the years to help us become better and learn the things that we needed to learn to be successful business people. Any questions you guys have, we're always open. If you have something that you would like us to talk about, something that you would like us to share, just reach out to us and let or us know. Or drop it in the comments. Drop it in the comments. Well, and then niching, or recovered niching, starting small in terms of like maybe with just injectables or injectables yep. in just a single um, device. Well, thanks for watching episode number two, Med Spa Secrets. If you liked it, please hit subscribe so you can get all those notifications and whatnot when uh, new ones come out. Give us a thumbs up and uh, we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye.